to A Texan's View of the World with your host, Jeb Bashaw. Howdy, neighbors. My name is Jeb Bashaw, and this is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World. Today, I'm broadcasting from our studios high above the Southwest Freeway in Houston, Texas, also known as 59 South. And let me tell you, the conditions are C-A-V-U, Ceiling and Visibility Unlimited. That's a term used for aviators for conditions that are fantastic. And I'm in a great mood today. As you know, the podcast is available on iTunes, Google, Spotify, and of course, iHeartRadio. I want to give a special shout out to my friend and producer, Matt Velasquez. Since we began this journey a few months ago, Matt has been a stalwart friend and supported me and the podcast. Many of you have asked about how I do it, and I'll just say this. If you're interested in doing a podcast, I'd ask that you reach out to Matt. He can get you started in podcasting today. My subject today, appropriately, is Christmas. More importantly, Christmas gifts. For many of you, this is the time of year that creates more angst, more confusion, more excitement, and more disappointment than probably any other time in the calendar year. So much to do and so little time. Perhaps a little biblical remembrance will help put you at ease. First, remember that for thousands of years, the Israelites had been promised a king, but not just any king. They had been promised the king of kings. Instead, they got a poor boy from Galilee, born to lower-income parents, in a manger, in a barn. Needless to say, If you're a Jew who's been waiting for the coming of the Savior for thousands of years, this was a letdown. So, this Christmas, if you don't get the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip, you'll have a little idea of how disappointed the Jews were with their new-born king. Now, let's talk about the Holy Family as well. Obviously, the holidays are stressful on families. And I want you to think about your family and how you'll spend time with them this holiday as you think about this story. As you will remember, Joseph was betrothed to Mary. For those of you that don't know what betrothed means, it means engaged. I'm not sure why they couldn't just say engaged, but that's for a different day. So Joseph and Mary are both in love. He's probably 10 years older. She's in her mid-teens, approximately 14 or 15 and he's probably 24 to 25 years old. Mary's parents, Joachim and Anne, were probably pretty excited. Here, their little girl is marrying a well-to-do entrepreneur in the town of Nazareth in the country of Galilee. He's a carpenter. He probably has his own shop. Things are looking good. In fact, in those days, if you weren't married by 20, you were probably considered an old maid. Here's where things get interesting. One night, while Mary, the 14-year-old, is sleeping, an angel appears in her room. The angel Gabriel spoke to Mary, a virgin, and told her that God would come upon her. She would become pregnant with a boy whose name was to be Jesus, and he would be the Son of God. Now, think back to when you were 14. Me, I wanted a 10-speed. I'm pretty sure girls had cooties or had had them, except for Jenny Gibson in the 8th grade, who I thought was perfect 
but that too is for another story. What went through Mary's mind was probably me? Why me? Uh, no, thank you. I've seen the women down at the well. I don't want to be fat. But then Gabriel says to her, be not afraid. Oh, and don't worry about Joseph. I'm going to talk to him next. Can you imagine a 14-year-old girl being spoken to by an angel? What sounds crazier to you? Getting married at 14? Having a baby but not being married? Telling your folks and fiancé, Oh, by the way, an angel came to see me last night. I mean, really, it all sounds so crazy. And then the angel goes to see Joseph, and it's written, And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and not willing to make her a public example, intended to put her away secretly. That means that our friend Joseph was probably going to slip out the back door and go on about his life. But when he thought about these things, look, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to yourself Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, Imagine being Joseph. This is not something you're going to bring up at the local pub or tavern. Hey, guys, you're not going to believe what happened last night. And further, you've got this beautiful, cute fiancé. You're kind of the big guy in town. You have your own business, and now this happens? In today's world, it would be called TMI, too much information. But Joseph thinks, I can still get out of this. I'll make it look like it was my idea. And she can have this baby, and everything is good. So he does, and thankfully, Joseph steps up to the plate and takes care of business. So, because there have been bureaucrats since the time of Jesus, someone decides, hey, rather than doing a census door-to-door, let's make everyone return to their hometown to sign up. Right. So we can have one guy cover a thousand people, or we can make a thousand people go to one guy. This was truly bureaucratic idiocy. Well, Joseph and his family are from Bethlehem, and it's like 90 miles away. Today, that'd be like driving to Giddings, Texas from Houston or to Madisonville. But they didn't have cars. They had donkeys. Oh, did I mention his girlfriend, his wife, was nine months pregnant? Now, I know a little bit about pregnant women, and trust me, this is not a trip you want to make in a suburban much less walking along next to a donkey with a pregnant woman. It's like a 20-hour trip at four miles an hour. I mean, have you ever tried to make a donkey run with a pregnant woman on its back and all of your crap? I mean, I just went to Santa Fe, New Mexico with my wife and Alexis for 12 hours with two dogs, and she was unpregnant. Trust me, there's a lot of crap you have to pack to go away for a week. But off they headed. And guess what? This was before Airbnb or Travelocity. You couldn't just call and book a room. And I'm sure Mary was wearing him out. Joseph, did you book a room? Joseph, did you get two beds? Joseph, are we on the first floor so I don't have to go up and down the steps? Joseph, did you bring the baby bag just in case? Of course I'm kidding. She was only 14. And she was probably glad to be getting out of town 
away from her parents and his parents for a long weekend before the baby came. So they show up, and guess what? Everyone else has the same good idea. It's like going to Galveston on Memorial Day weekend. Hey, honey, let's go to Bethlehem for the weekend. But all the rooms are taken. The best restaurants are packed. Like Clark Griswold getting to Florida and Wally World being closed. So what does Joseph do? He improvises. Like any good male, he knocks on a door and the innkeeper says, Look, I got no rooms, but you can stay in the barn. Now, this doesn't sound great on his face either. And Joseph must have had a little salesmanship in him, so he probably went to Mary and said, Honey, I got us a nice room with cathedral ceilings, fresh goat milk, and a view of the stars. It's going to be great. And off they go. My point of this whole story is that Christmas, the first Christmas, didn't work out like they thought it would. That's why I encourage all of you not to get so wrapped up in angst and worry at this incredible time of year. So what if the ribbons don't match the package? Who cares if the middle initial of the monograms is in the wrong place? One of the great tragedies of this season is that my favorite smoked turkey place, Greenberg Turkeys, here in Texas, caught on fire this year. Literally 40,000 turkeys were wiped out, and arguably 40,000 families will go without turkeys this year, at least the Greenberg kind. So what I'm saying is that almost everything can be fixed. In fact, it will probably become a staple of family stories for years to come about how your Uncle Bob got so hammered on eggnog. I'm sure that Mary and Joseph yucked it up for years about the one-star B&B that Joseph booked on Christmas Eve. Because you see, Christmas is not about the commercial part of the story. It's not about the Daisy BB gun or the bicycle with streamers or the Johnny Jump Up. It's not about getting what you want. Like the Israelites, it's about staying focused on the little man in the manger. My best Christmas was the first one I remember. And every Christmas since then has been great and better and different. But the reality is that each Christmas has brought more things to bear. After my father died, it was the, quote, first Christmas without dad. I have many friends this year who will be experiencing their, quote, first Christmas without dad or mom. All of these are real-life experiences, and I would urge you to embrace them. Yes, it sucks. It's hard to look at that empty chair where your family member sat last year. But it's also a time for stark remembrance, a time to remember those of who you were with and tell the stories of the ones we've lost. That's how they live on in our hearts and in our minds, in our lives, is if we continue to tell those stories. For me, the best Christmas was when my daughter was born. It was so great we left her behind while we went on a cruise. I'm kidding. Not about leaving her behind. We did. But the cruise, it was terrible. My next best Christmas was the birth of my son. And the same is true for my wife Only when each of her children were born. Each of these milestones was a joyful moment. My wife and I have four children. I am so blessed. We have two that were born in September, so you know that New Year's Eve was a big time for us, and two born around Christmas, one in December and one in January. So apparently spring break was big for us too. Each of those births was a miracle in its own way, 
as I'm sure each child for you or your loved ones is a miracle in your life. Whatever you had to do to get to that moment was worth it. Whether it was a long period of infertility, a short roll in the hay, in vitro, adoption, or walking 90 miles on a donkey. That's why Christmas is so special. So, just as we celebrate the first with the loss of a loved one, we celebrate the first with the gift of a newborn. Today, Christmas decorations go up before Halloween. The Christmas season has been extended from the original 12 days of Christmas, from the birth of Christ to his presentation of the temple, to the end of Halloween costumes ending on Boxer Day. I chuckle as I share this because this is how we have secularized Christmas. For us, my wife and I will go to our little church in the country in Pin Oak, Texas, not too far from Smithville. If you're a Hope Floats fan, this is where Hope Floats was filmed. We will gather with 30 to 40 parishioners and celebrate the vigil of the Christmas Mass. We only go to this particular church a couple of times a year, and the folks there are always so welcoming to us. Our children will be with their new families and spouses and loved ones, and we will gather with them separately at another time. Because while the miracle of Christmas is celebrated on December 24th and 25th, and the secular part is from Halloween to Christmas, I believe the miracle is the joy that the Christ child brings each and every day. So it's not important that we only gather on the 24th or 25th. I believe we should celebrate the joy of Christmas almost year-round. And this little man, born in a manger, became the most talked-about human in the history of mankind. For Laurel and I, this will be a, year, a first year for us, too. This is our first year not to be in New York City during the Christmas season. The chance to see Rockefeller Center, the Rockettes, the plays on Broadway, and the fabulous lights at Saks Fifth Avenue. We won't get to hear Steve Terrell, a Houston boy made good, who performs annually at the Carlisle Hotel. Or finally the chance to go and celebrate the Mass at St. Patrick's and see the beautiful nativity scene. Or to have dinner with dear friends like Marion John Leitner, or Father Chris Devron at Fordham Prep, or our dear friend Father Dan Lehart at Regis and then dinner to follow at 21. You see, Christmas in New York is where my wife and I were betrothed or engaged. It's where in the magic of the city during the holiest season, we decided, like Mary and Joseph, to spend the rest of our lives together. It's where, just as sure, the sounds of a stable 2,000 years ago are as much of the memories of Mary and Joseph as the sound of the city in December are to us. I would ask that each of you take the time to spend with family and friends, to have a glass of wine or an old-fashioned. Close your eyes and hear those sounds you heard at the first Christmas you remember, or your favorite Christmas, or your least favorite Christmas, perhaps with family. The tearing of paper, the gleeful shouts of a child opening gifts on Christmas morning, not on Christmas Eve, the sound of sleigh bells or the soft powder being scraped from your car after a heavy night's snow as you head to a family outing. Enjoy the little moments in the quiet of your heart and with the hug of a child, a grandchild, a grandparent, or a family member. For me, there is no Christmas without Christ. 
if 2020 has taught us anything, it's that when we kick Christ out of our homes, our hearts, our schools, and our government, we are truly at a loss. This is the time to bring Christ back into our lives and into our family lives. It's time to celebrate that wonderful gift sent to us by God. Finally, I look forward to a beautiful Christmas spent with friends and family. We will probably overeat and overdrink. We will hunt and play cards. But most of all, we will be together. The history of the pandemic will be that we need each other. We need each other dearly to hold on to. At this time, think about a loved one or a coworker who may be alone this year. Reach out to them. Have a glass of wine or bring them a small token of Christmas. No gift is too big or too small this time of year. And one of the biggest presents you can give is the gift of your presence. And whatever you do, don't sweat the small things. And don't forget that they're all small things and small worries. Focus on the namesake of Christmas and all will be fine. Finally, I'm happy to celebrate another year without fruitcake. Each year as a child, someone would send us fruitcake. My mom, who was a terrible cook, would do everything possible to make the fruitcake edible. Forget about tasting good. We were just trying to choke it down. Thankfully, somehow we've moved away from the fruitcake trading, and I, for one, am happy to see it go like 2020. So as you get ready for the Christmas season... Remember always that yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, and today is a gift from God, which is why we call it the present. I wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas and a safe and prosperous New Year. My name is Jeb Bashaw, and this is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World.